One guest, 10 songs, 10 reasons. Music was my first love on Radio Glamorgan. My guest today, who we've been trying to get on since Series 1, is the Welsh radio broadcaster Steve Wiggins, who we'll hear from after his first choice, which is a classic from Marvin Gaye. Ain't that peculiar? Welcome at long last to Radio Glamorgan. Wiggy and music was my first love. Sorry, Ant. Yeah, good evening. Nice to be with you. <laughs> Did you disappear then for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> I was doing um, I was doing a little bit of research, and I couldn't I couldn't remember. It's been so long since we picked these songs, and I know you sent me the list again a couple of weeks ago, and I a fleeting glance, and then I flicked away from it, so I I could not assume you the songs that I picked, to be honest. So but um, it'll be a nice surprise for you and the listeners. Then tell me about yeah. that, that first choice from uh, Marvin Gaye and that peculiar. Well, soul's always been uh, a genre of music that's always close to my heart. I grew up listening to a lot of soul. And Motown's always been right at the centrepiece of all that soul. So many great tunes to pick from, especially Marvin Gaye. But that one is, is one that I've got on, uh, on a memory stick in my, uh, in my car. And when I come off air, I, I love to listen to stuff like that, just because you, you probably experience the same. When you come off, you feel, I don't know, it's a, it's a weird sensation when you come off air. It's yeah. just nice to have something just to pick you back up again. And, yeah. And that's, that's one of the songs that does it for me. I love that song. Did you have music growing up at home? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, how can I put this now, just in case my dad's listening? I, I was a reluctant pianist. I was pushed into the piano. Uh, myself and my sister were... My dad's always been very musical. My dad's always, uh, he's been in, um, I don't know, arts productions. Um, Barry Arts Centre used to be a member of. So we grew up listening and, and going to see lots of dad shows, but he was always pushing us into learning instruments. And uh, I can remember being pushed into uh, piano lessons. I, I did okay. I got up to something like grade seven. But then you've got to keep it going. And uh, if anyone's listening to this and they're thinking about playing an instrument, go for it. Because, you know, we've got two boys now and uh, our eldest, Joseph, is, is learning the clarinet and he's very good at it. But you've got to keep practising. Yeah. You know, I can... Um, and we've, we've got a piano here and I can jump on and, and, and do a few things. But I'm so rusty because I've just, I've just let it all go. And it's... I don't know if you play anything, Wolfie, but it's, it's good to be able to play instruments. You, you, you're always... Um, you're always going to be welcome in someone's house or at a party if you can play an instrument. That's right, and particularly if it's something smaller than a piano that you can carry with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did, and and did, you, did your dad introduce you to recorded music, records and stuff? Any particular bands or artists? No, not really. It was um, That was just something uh, that I picked up on. And uh, that sort of started when I was, I was thinking before we actually pulled the mics up here and going way back in comp, Barry Boys Comp. I, I only vague memories of this, and my uh, in my memory's not the best. Uh, we, I think it was an English lesson, and uh, we were given a task of writing a, a radio show. I can distinctly remember the music teacher. I think they, they called out about three names, and they called two, and I did all this prep for this uh, radio show, which I think was only 10 or 15 minutes long, and I brought in a load of props with me, as I still do to this day. And I can always remember like, the boys in the class going absolutely nuts after. I, I can't even remember what I put in there. There was a lot of there was a lot of risque stuff in there. This was like the fifth year of the comp. And, um, <laughs> but that, I think that was probably my first foray into uh, into presentation all those years ago. You know, so 
and it's gone on from there, really. Now, your next choice is from the brilliant Doobie Brothers. Tell us about listening to the music. Oh, well, you know, um, like probably many people, I grew up listening to Radio 1, and this, I can always remember, was right at the forefront of the Radio 1 roadshow. So the Doobie Brothers, again, a band which I love to listen to, personally when I'm at home but this particular song just takes me all the way back to the packed arenas of the Barry Island Roadshow and I've never seen so many people packed onto the island and this song booming out just brilliant days So where did the interest in broadcasting come from? Was it from school? I'm just thinking now off the back of that record, and uh, I mentioned that we uh, we did that thing in school. It was quite ironic because I was playing the piano at the time, but I, I'd always fancied the drums. So around about a year before I, I mentioned that that thing in school, yeah. I, I got a set of drums. My, my dad lent me some money, and they, they were beautiful, uh, sparkling silver pearl drums. They were lovely, a lovely set of, of kit. And he said, "Oh, if you if you're going to learn to play the drums alongside the piano, then you've got to get drum lessons, do it properly." So I took drum lessons for about I don't know six months, and then a few of the boys in school decided to form a band, and they were looking for a drummer. So before I actually went into the DJing thing, I was actually in a band playing drums and keyboards and the band was called Freeride. Drums and so, keyboard. Yeah, so I, I my main my main instrument were, were the drums, but now and again I had to jump on the keys. We pinched that name from a Tavares record, which was on one of their albums, I think, and we were called Freeride. And we used to play stuff like um, Doobie Brothers, yeah. Ace, How Long, Led Zeppelin, and, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, so I, I was in a band then for a couple of years and then, of course, when... When we moved to, towards sixth form territory, some of the boys left school, and unfortunately, the band we were, we were pretty good. I gotta say, you know, thinking back, and you know, we did a couple of only local gigs with youth clubs and things like that. But we were we had some very proficient musicians in that band. From there, then at the time, I started taking more of an interest. I presume it must must have been records, and my cousin had set up. Uh, well, certainly set up. He'd been going for for quite a while. He's um, a, a mobile disco. I'd been to a couple of these discos and he was doing stuff in the students' uni and Barry and he was doing very well for himself. There weren't many DJs at that time. I remember one Sunday afternoon the phone went and he said, um, Steve, what, what are you doing tonight? And I said, oh, it's Sunday night, just probably getting ready for school the next day. Do me a favour, he said, our... Two of our roadies had let us down, and they had quite a big setup, you know. So they were playing up in Crumlin, I think it was. He said, "Would you come and and, and help us carry all the gear in and uh, come to the disco tonight?" And I think from that point onwards, I was sort of bitten by the bug. I always remember. I think it was about ten, fifteen minutes before the end of the disco, and they said, "Steve, jump on the decks and and play a couple of records. We want a couple of slow dances with the girls." <laughs> so, so I was thrust up onto the stage. And the buzz of standing up in front of, I don't know, two, 250 people playing a couple of records was, um, and I, I think from that point on, I, uh, I had the, a, a bit of the, a bit of the bug. What broadcasters then did you start listening to on the radio? My all-time favourites would have been Noel Edmonds on The Breakfast Show. Yeah. I, I used to like Emperor Roscoe. And Radio 1 used to do a great programme on a Friday, which you may remember, called... The Round Round Table, table, where they they used to play all the new records, and I used to love that, listening to all the new stuff. I was glued to Noel Edmonds, and uh, before school, I can always remember listening to Noel Edmonds' breakfast show. That's where I I really got gripped by 
by the four walls of the studio, I think. When were you born, Stu? Born in Cardiff. No, when? In St. David. Back in the 40s, I think it was. <laughs> <aren't I? laughs> now, the reason I ask is because I was, I was born in 66. And okay. my earliest memory of radio is Noel Edmonds on The Breakfast Show, the first voice with his Milkman Flint. It's the first there voice go, yeah. I ever remember hearing. So I just wondered if you were the same age, but I wasn't same, born in the 40s. It's exactly the same era. Exactly yeah. the same. And yeah, Flint the Milkman and the Barra Club and all the stuff yeah. he used to do. But I can remember then, you know, from that, camping myself like probably many people did outside you know with, with a recorder trying to take the top 40 on a sunday mm, yeah. and things like that smuggling a transistor radio into into comp and listening to the chart run down with johnny walker yeah. on a tuesday and i they, that was the one of the rare lessons where i'd sit at the back of the class because i i had my transistor radio wired up through my shirt and uh, in, in and, and into my ears and then i used to relay the chart positions then to the boys in the <laughs> class in a science lesson, Mr. Veezy. And he, I don't think he was, he was not the wiser what was going on. No, um, well, every I'm, other lesson, I was always at the front. I'm glad I wasn't <laughs> the only one then. Um, yeah. Your third choice is from American singer Doobie Gray, Out on the Floor. Yeah, again, um, another big soul song. To be honest, that's a song that I really didn't get introduced to, to a lot later on. But I think a friend played it to me. Um, would have been in, in the 80s, maybe, and um, a bit naive. And I thought, blimey, what the hell is this? I haven't heard this before. And then I jumped onto it, and I thought, I've got I to gotta find that record. And um, there's a few others around me now. I'm sat in my studio at the moment. But a great feel-good tune, so uh, let's get it on. Wiggins' his third choice, which is not easy to say, believe me, on this edition of Music Was My First Love, Out on the Floor from Dobie Gray. Tell me about your long association with Real Radio. Right, so you, you jumped, um, you moved on quite a bit there. That was a strange one because I was working for The Wave at the time. I I always remember when Real Radio launched and I, I didn't send anything their way because... It was, um, everyone was, I'm not saying everyone, I was a little bit sceptical of of what they were what they were doing, I thought, blimey, that's that's never going to work. They were sort of playing, I don't know, they play a Motown song and then they'd throw one from the from the nineties in, and it was it was a real different feel for a radio station. I can always remember sitting in um, the jocks room at the Wave, listening to the station and laughing, thinking, blimey, this this is never going to work. But the more and more you listen to it and and the content that was coming out of those speakers, you thought, blimey, this is a good station. Anyway, to cut a long story short, I was was on mornings then at at the Wave and thankfully that show was very well received. We had, there was loads of, interaction i started with a i don't know a five from when at 10 or something so the phone was always red hot i do riddles and loads of things that interacted with the audience and i always used to get a really good response and loads of calls i was driving to work one morning it was about eight o'clock and i was just coming down the the cowbridge bypass there and my mobile went i thought bloody don't recognize that number just but i'll pull over quick and and uh and answer the phone it was terry underhill from real radio Mm -hmm. and um he said, is that Wiggy? I said, yes. He said, oh, it's, it's Terry from um, from Real Radio. I'm just wondering whether, you know, he said, we've been listening to your show. I'm just wondering whether you'd be interested in, in coming to work for us and, and whether you'd like to meet me for a chat. And um, and it just went on from there, really. I uh, I said, well, yeah, I'd love to come and, love to come and chat to you. And, you know, and Real Radio was a bit closer to me 
than the wave was at the time. I thought, yeah, I've got to go for a little bit of a meeting here. So, um, yeah, I met up with uh, Terry. I met up with Terry. Uh, must have been at least three occasions. And I think what, what I think what the way. What did he say to me? He said, "What we're looking for is someone. The, uh, the the audience in Cardiff at the time is really good. Our figures from Cardiff are really good, but we need someone who's working across Swansea and and the southwest of Wales to pull that audience in because we're not performing as well down there. And we've been listening to all the the different stations, and we've identified you as a as a possible target and i i said well thanks very much i'm you know i'm, I'm really interested but this went on for oh it went on for months and months and months and it, it transpired and what they were trying to do was i think john myers uh, sadly no longer with us great fella john had come up with a, a vision to open all these different real radios around the country and the next one after the cardiff launch was was in yorkshire but they they were trying to sort of work things so that I sort of, or whoever, they took on to, to take over from Terry on, on the breakfast show, who was moving to Yorkshire. It, it all fell in place at, uh, at the right time, if that makes sense. They wanted everything to be to be in unison. So this went on for, for months and months. And, and I had about three meetings with Terry. Then I had a meeting with John Simons, who was John Moyer's right-hand man, and Terry again in St. David's. We had a, a meal that night and, and talked things through and they explained you know, there was a, a little bit of a delay, but they would like to, to put me in offer. And then they they offered me, well, you know, a, a really good deal to, to move from Wave. It was a deal that, you know, I I ripped their hand off, to be honest. But I mean, after that initial offer, they, they still knocked the timescale back by another, I think it was another six or seven, maybe even eight weeks, because um, the studios up in uh, Yorkshire weren't weren't quite ready. But that, yeah, that's how I moved to, to Real Radio. That and was, I think it was 2001, 2002. And how long, like how long had you been at the Wave for? I started at Wave in 95. My first show there was, like most people back in those days, was on the Overnight Express. And it, it was it was bizarre, bizarre how I got into that because, obviously, going going right back to, to, to the group thing, and I got the bug with my, uh, with my cousin's disco. And then I, I remember saying to my dad, Dad, I want to be a DJ. And he said, what are you want about? You're a drummer and you're a pianist. <laughs> I said, I know, but I, I want to be a DJ. And he said, listen, I, I, you're not giving up the piano. But I'll help you buy some equipment, but you'll have to sell your drums. So my lovely sparkling silver pearl drums, which were in the attic of my dad's fruit shop, three flights up, which I used to annoy the neighbours with every Sunday, huh. banging the hell out of them, that I had to sell that sparkling set of drums to buy my first set of decks. And I, I'll never forget my first disco. It was, <laughs> it was a youth club disco. Uh, there were about 400 kids in Barry, And the deck I bought was a, was a homemade deck from a guy called Tex, I should have known better. He's a bit of a cowboy. <laughs> and, um, and, and the thing blew up after about 30 minutes. And there was all smoke coming from the deck. <laughs> uh, and that was my first That was my first disco at a, like a youth club, the Vale Disco Club in Barry. And the decks blew up. So after about 35, 40 minutes, they had to send the kids home. But thankfully, <laughs> the guy that organised that thing rebooked me. I don't know why, <laughs> but he did. <laughs> he, probably, he probably liked the comedy uh, bent of your act. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, yeah, so like loads of gigs that I went on from there, doing loads of obviously the, the mobile thing, loads of weddings, and that was a time where you know again there weren't many DJs out there. My cousin was still going, and there were about I think three or four of us around this area, and I was you know it, it was a real busy time. I was working in my dad's fruit shop 
in the day, fruit shops in the day, go into the market and then dash it on, quick shower, and then out doing the discos. And then um, and then the radio bug, that, it, that was really strange. I saw something in, um, I think it was a, a trademark. It may have been, oh, I can't remember what it was. It was one of the trademarks anyway, radio course. So I thought, oh, that's interesting. 450 quid, four days, come to London and, and go to this bloke's studio. As a guy, Dave, I think his name was, used to work for Invicta FM, an old Kent radio station. I decided to go for it. And I remember at the time going up with my wife and my son, and it was four days from that little radio course. He said, he said bring a load of CDs up, Wiggy. Bring, bring a load of stuff up and, 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 and I'll put you in the studio. And you can do a radio show as you think it should be done. So I, brought, I took a load of dance stuff up because I was doing a, a lot of club work then at the time. I went up there and I think I just did a, I just did a, a little sort of 20 minutes, half an hour, you know, as if I was in front of about a thousand people in a nightclub. And he, he pulled, me to, pulled me to pieces and he said, what the heck are you doing, man? I said, I'm doing a radio show like I think it should be done. I, I want to do a dance show on the radio. No, he, no, you don't, he said. He said, you want to do a generic show? And I said, why would I want to do that? And he said, because the avenues to do a dance show on radio are very narrow. There's only maybe one dance show on every radio station. So you're better off going for a more general role as a, you know, just a day-to-day presenter. You've got more chance of getting in. And i got to be honest, over those four days, I came out of those four days... You know, he, it was a it was an amazing thing that he'd set up. He set up it was in a big flat in the east end of London, and he even had like um, a producer's booth in, in the next rooms, and, and, and mocked up telephone calls as if I was taking a phone call. And I came out of that those four days with my four hundred and fifty quid with a cassette, actually with three cassettes, which I sent round to CBC at the time. I think it was. God, I remember um, CBC. Yeah, they've been going a while. I sent one to Wyvern and I sent one to Swansea Sound and I got two interviews out of that. One at Wyvern where they offered me overnights or cover for overnights and then they wanted me to relocate there for something like, I don't know, something like 100 quid a a week or something. And uh, I said, I can't do that because, you know, A, I'm, you know, helping my dad in the shop and B, I've got a a very busy, you know, mobile disco. Mm -hmm. And then... I sent one to Swansea and Rob Pendry was programme manager at the time and he said, come down, we'll have a chat. And from there, they threw me on the Overnight Express. And that's how I got into radio, off, off the back of that tape. Wiggy, who is Mooney? Mooney, um, Mooney and Dove, that was just a song. That's one I always remember uh, when I was on the wave. And just before, I think just before I left the wave for Real Radio, this was one of the big tunes at the time. It was just a bit of a, I think she was on DB Boulevard's song, Point of View, and then... She brought out this song, and again, it's another great, uplifting song. So, one of my choices. Choice Wiggies, oh, it's just a great radio track, Mr. Rock and Roll from Amy McDonald. Brilliant, and um, throughout the mobile thing and moving into clubs and even in radio, I, I started writing columns for local newspapers, so uh, Barry and District News, 
Penarth Times. And when I was at the Wave, I was writing for Flanetley Star. And my mission there, alongside the uh, the club and the mobile work, was to try and get on as many mailing lists as I could. And I, I wrote to everyone. And I was on the phone. I was calling record companies, calling press companies. And I managed to get on, on the Virgin list. And they sent me this tape of this new Scottish artist, Amy MacDonald. I thought, blimey, there were four tracks on there. But this one really stood out and, and that, that, that whole first album was brilliant but Mr Rock and Roll as you say is just a perfect radio record I'm surprised really that radio stations don't play it a bit more these days because it, it still sounds great and there's a brilliant story in it too You're listening to another edition of Radio Glamorgan's Music Was My First Love with South Wales radio broadcaster Steve Williams choosing ten of his favourite tracks. Broadcasting from the John Wills studio at the University Hospital of Wales in Cardiff, we are Radio Glamorgan. I don't know if you can see that, Wolfie, but that is the Wiggy Wiggle to the Fat Bad Band and Wiggy Wacky. <laughs> yes, I get that. <laughs> you try saying that quickly. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit of a story to that song. Um, that that That's from... Um, I used to do a Thursday night at a, a local club called Adal Corning, and they used to have a social club, and Thursday was their disco night, and it was just a brilliant night. I remember going there. I think a friend took me there one night. He said, you've got to come down to this night. It's packed with women. It's a really good night. And I thought, I, I need to get in there. And I sent the entertainment secretary, Larry Taylor. I sent him so many letters and rung him. Him, give us a chance, Larry. Give us a go on Thursday night. Can't get you in, Steve. We're, we're chock a block. My dad said, um, I got a, I've got a cunning plan at my sleeve. And I said, what's that, Dad? He said, leave it to me. And, and about two weeks later, just out of the blue, I got a, a phone call from Larry Taylor. He said, Steve, I'm, I'm obliged to give you, uh, give you a chance at Dow Calling Social Club, where they played music like the Fatback Band. I said, just out of interest, Larry, what did my dad do? He said he brought me down a sack of spuds from his shop. <laughs> <laughs> the studs my dad pulled to get me in places. And, and from that point on, virtually every other Thursday, some, some months I'd be working there every week, but it was, a, it was a real good night to be out because I was playing music like that and music that I'd grown up and music that gets me on the dance floor perish the thought these days but yeah and that's how that's how i got in there with a sack of spuds so there we go one thing that's come over steve is you're from the word go with the piano with the drums with the sack of spuds with the <laughs> dj kit your dad's been incredibly supportive absolutely yeah and uh, it, it, it's good that you picked up on that and that's because when i started the the mobile disco i hadn't passed my driving test so here comes uh, here comes the the acid test for dad look dad i i've managed to get a couple of bookings but i need you to drop me off with a disco <laughs> and i can remember after that first episode which i mentioned earlier the decks blew up i think my next gig there was at a, a church hall just around the corner from my house and it was i always remember it was close to christmas time I also remember Paul McCartney and Mother Kintyre being one of the songs that was in maybe in the chart at the time. I think it was anyway. Shocking memory again. But yeah, my dad used to drive me around, you know, God bless him. And he's still going now, uh, you know, 91. And he just loves being around people. And he used to drop me off 
with a more budget. So invariably, he would stay with me for the whole night and then help me pack the gear down and, and that's it. And until I passed my driving test. And in actual fact, for about a month after I passed my test, my dad used to drive me round to the gigs. So he's a, a top fella. You spent a lot of time, if I'm right, with Bro Radio. Uh, and also, yeah. you also ran it for a time. Community radios become a very important part of radio over the years, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And that's a great little station there. And I was chuffed when um, the opportunity came after I finished a wheel, which was a bit of a surprise. But there we go. That's that's the world of radio yeah. these days. The opportunity came for a station manager at Broad Radio, and I remember saying to Kath, my wife, "What do you think?" And she said, oh, "I think you ought to go for it." Because I, I I love coaching people. I love I love teaching people. Because it, uh, you know, you like yourself. There's, there's an air of mystique around radio. A lot of people don't understand how it works. A lot of people think they can get in a studio and and do things. And you know, I thought I could do it until I got in that studio up in London and and was told you don't do things that way. You do it this yeah. way. But it was great for me to be in that position for a period of time to to train people and to bring some of the kids through and some of the the kids today who are doing very well for themselves, not only in radio, but well for themselves in other aspects of life. They weren't particularly good communicators or they they didn't like being around people, but their mums and dads brought them into the station. And I remember one of them, Liam Tanner, who was a very, he's an excellent magician now and doing very well for himself. But he started off life as a, it's a bit of a shock jock at Bro Radio. <laughs> so it was um, it was really good to sort of smoothen those edges um, that he came in with. I can remember him, you know, saying a few choice words on air, which he shouldn't have said, <laughs> and, um, and, and sort of getting that out of his system and pointing him in the right direction. So it was, um, it was a, a very challenging couple of years, but one I look back on fondly and uh, a good time. And like you say, a a fantastic little station down there as well. And did you broadcast as well as being on management? Yeah, I was... Um, Clive, uh, the chap that owns the station, who owns a media company up in London, does a lot of video productions, done very well for himself. He, he wanted me on the um, on the breakfast show. So, yeah, so I used to be in from 5 o'clock in the morning till invariably, you know, some some days I'd be there right through until 5, 6 o'clock in the yeah. evening, you know, keeping keeping the wheels turning. But a good good times, a fantastic station. Tell us about your next choice from American blues and rock singer Elvin Bishop. Oh, well, again, there's another song which, when I was in comp, it's just a, a song I always remember booming out of the radio. And uh, it's funny how you look back on on, on songs, and, and that's the beauty of music and why I've always latched on to music, because it takes you right back to, I don't know, walking up the corridors of comp, and I can remember this being on the radio, and it's just a great blue soul tune, so love to hear it again. of radio broadcasting changed a lot since you started out? As you can imagine, I'm probably uh, stone deaf too, <laughs> too, many, too many years, like probably a good self of, uh, of loud headphones. You know, my dad always used to bang on, but you don't listen and, uh, no. you know. And you, so. don't, you don't listen and then by the end you can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's bang on. Yes, it has. Unfortunately, not for the better, in my opinion, but uh, I can always remember starting in 95 on that Overnight Express. And um, Well, I used to take in 12-inch singles because we used to have a, a turntable in the studio, and I used to do a feature called Wiggy's Despicable Discs, where I... <laughs> 
where I came up with all these crazy songs that I know, Max by Graves, all the all the comedy songs. And I used to do a feature there. But I also used to, you know, they also used to give you places on that on that five hour show to to free place where you could you could do whatever you want. And I, I've still got some of those cassettes cringeworthily I listen back to them now and again and some of the stuff that I used to get up to on that on that, especially on that overnight show but I think you were just given you know okay there were playlists and and we used to have to play the ads in manually from cart players which were a pain in the backside and, and all that's a lot easier now because obviously everything's on computer mm. but I think those days you, you had so uh, you had so much time to do stuff that you wanted to do whereas today obviously it's a business money driven animal and um the avenues to be creative which which is what i always adored about radio they've been sort of narrowed so you're, you're very limited to what you can do unless you're on the breakfast show where you're given a little bit more flexibility yeah. so yeah you're right the times have changed i've had people on the show in this third series actually say to me exactly what you said that yes it's changed and not for the better yeah and and obviously things um that you're doing there hospital radio and and the community stations if you're looking to get into radio they're they're the places that i'd absolutely recommend because again you're allowed to to be creative and a show like this is great because you can you can be yourself and and i think you know the avenues and, and, and the discipline of especially commercial radio these days you know they've got you've got to read that you've got to say this you've got to do that even to the point these days now where shingles and sweepers are all put in your log and and that was for me that was always a big part of of being a radio jock we're mixing and matching i've always you know prided myself a little bit on keeping things nice and tight and making sure the sweeps are going over the intros of songs and everything everything sounds in unison whereas now even things like that are taken out of your hands and they're, and they're put in the log. So times have definitely changed. So your advice to someone like me just starting out on a radio broadcasting career is get involved with local community and hospital radio. Absolutely. And I, you know, I was very, thinking back to my time, I was very fortunate that when I went up for that four-day course up in London, I'd also, about two weeks previously, I'd written to Rookwood Sound, and um, a guy called Dave, who did a, like a glam rock show on a on a Saturday, he invited me in to to co-host the show. So I literally did. I think it was two Saturdays with Dave. Drove in there and sat in on Dave's show and, and made a few comments. And then I I think uh, Steve, the boss there at the time, was just about to give me. Or he said, "Would you like to do a, your own show on maybe a Sunday afternoon?" And and I, I I put those tapes around to those couple of radio stations. And in the sort of interim period, then we uh, Swansea had offered me a bit of summer cover down there. So I I didn't actually get round to doing my own show on hospital radio. I I'd sat in on someone else's show, but that's definitely. You know, something like hospital radio or community station where you can go in and, and, and learn the ropes and, and be trained, hopefully, by by someone, you know, who's on commercial radio or someone who's done commercial radio or been with the BBC. That's definitely the way forward. And, of course, the avenues to getting into full-time radio now are definitely, again, you know, the where's we used to come in, there used to be all those shows, as you know, overnight shows. There used to be, I went from an overnight show to doing the late show. I was the love doctor for a, 
for about a year <laughs> playing love songs. That was an experience, and and all these all these little things they gear you up eventually for being on. You know, from there, the drive time presenter let the boss of the station down one day, couldn't make it in at the last moment. I had to drop everything. And can you come in? And and that's how you progress to to being onto a, moving onto a daytime show. But thinking back, though, you know those avenues to get in to radio, you need to you need to. You need to be very lucky to get into a commercial station these days. So, yeah, definitely hospital radio, community radio is the way forward, for sure. Your eighth choice on this edition of Music Was My First Love. I have to confess, I can't find anything about, so I will leave it to you to tell everyone, <laughs> me included, about Child of Love from Caston and Majors. Weird. This Again, this was um, another song that Noel Edmonds played on his breakfast show, and I, I can remember sitting there, and I recorded it, and I, I thought, blimey, I, I've just got to go out and get this song. And where we had the shop in High Street, uh, the fruit shops, the top of the street was uh, a chart return shop, Christopher's. Um, many people would have bought records there over the years. It's no longer there, sadly. But I remember walking in there and uh, and saying to the lady behind the counter, Miriam, I, can you get me this record by Caston and Majors, Child of Love? Lo and behold, a few days later, it came. And it's just, um, oh, it's just a brilliant song. a little bit about a man who's influenced both of us, Steve, not just as a broadcaster, but also his love of soul and funk, and that's Robbie Vincent. Big influence on you? Definitely, yeah. Moving on, you know, into the 80s, there, there was a guy who was right at the front of, uh, of the soul and the funk movement. I can, again, I, I was invariably, I'd be out working when Robbie's shows were on, but I'd ask my mum to press the record button or stop the record button or turn the tape over. And I just had so many cassettes back in the day, which I'd imagine are going to be around somewhere. Um, I can't remember whether I left them over the house or <laughs> my mum's house. But yeah, and, and the thing was, at that time, I was, I was working in, um, in quite a few nightclubs and I was getting so many records sent to me, promotional 12-inch white labels and stuff. And of course... Robbie Vincent was the guy who was driving all that. And um, it was just a great time to be, I suppose, number one DJing in the clubs. And number two, if you were around that time, especially through the 80s, a yeah. uh, great time to be a clever as well. But Robbie was right at the forefront of everything and still going as well. Yeah, uh, and he's, he I think he's back and he's got, um, he's got a great Facebook. There's a great uh, Facebook page where I've made some really good friends on there. Uh, people posting YouTube links to... You know, to some of those tunes that we grew up with. Mrs. Wiggy curses me, Mike, because <laughs> as I as I look around my studio here, you can imagine the postman used to curse me. I can see him walking down the street to my dad's shop and shaking his head. Wiggins, you you really do my head in, mate. <laughs> what, what, are all, what are all these records coming from? And I, 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 it was like Christmas every day, opening packets and packets of, uh, of 12 inch mailers and seven inch mailers and then when i got on the press lists i get they started sending me cds as well so um yeah i've got a few records hanging around the place well but, I'm, um, I'm trying desperately been trying to get him onto this show but he's not responding to me so uh i'm working <laughs> on it but i'll tell you very quickly he's he's the reason i became a soul fan i i was a big luther fan 
huge, huge Luther Vandross yeah. fan. And I listened to yeah. Robbie every Saturday night, but I didn't consider myself a soul fan. I was I was a child of the... Musically, I was a child of the 70s, so I was a pop fan, but I yeah. loved this music. And he played... One Saturday night, he played a new American artist called Alexander O'Neill, and he mm -hmm. played A Broken Heart Command, which was from his debut mm -hmm. album. And I liked the track. I went out and... Always, when I listened to Robbie Vincent and Andy Peebles, I went out and spent money throughout the week. So... I went out and bought. <laughs> I went out and bought the album, brought it home, yeah. showed it to my brother, who's about seven years older than me, so he'd been out clubbing. He looked at the track listings and he just looked at me and went, "That track." Well, I put the record on. First track up was uh, "Broken Heart Can Mend," and a second track that came up was that track, which is "If You Were Here Tonight," and that's when I became a soul fan. Yeah, well, just Robbie. a quick story on um, on Alexander. I um, I worked with him a couple of times, and in, in a nightclub in Newport, the place was absent. I've never seen so many people in a nightclub. Uh, Stowe Hill in Newport, Zanzibar at the time, and I've never seen so many people. And um, Alexander was supposed to be on my floor, which was the middle floor. I said it was like a party sort of vibe going on there. But there were so many people that we had to push him upstairs into the, the nightclub. I remember him walking past me in the DJ stand just as you walk up the stairs. Hey, bro, he said, look after that. And he threw me his tie. So somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in here, I've got Alexander O'Neill's tie. Lord knows where that is. <laughs> but then, um, as luck would have it, a few years later, we were at Wembley for a Cardiff City semi-final. And we, we stayed at this hotel, um, just a, a stone's throw from this football stadium. And lo and behold, then we walked in the bar, uh, just driven up. And he's at the bar, Alexander. I said, I said to Catherine, I said, my wife, I said, that's, that's Alexander O'Neill there. You're joking. And I said, no, it's not. And um, it was. He, he was staying overnight. He was due to fly to Germany, I think it was, the next day to do some concerts. And uh, we had a really good chat with him at the uh, at the bar. And then a few years after that, a phone call off the bus. I, I was back down at Swansea Sound Drive time. And um, there's an interview for you if you fancy doing it. Alexander O'Neill. And I, I ripped his arm off. I said, yeah, let's get him on. So, um, but a really lovely guy. Yeah. And um, as you know, still making tunes to this yeah, day as well. Is. Uh, your yeah. ninth choice, Wiggy, is one of the biggest and most successful performing partnerships of, I would say, the latter half of the 20th century, Daryl Hall and John Oates. And you've, you've not chosen one of their most famous songs, but it's a beautiful song. <laughs> Tell me about Sarah's Smile. Well, again, um, you can see the blue-eyed soul type influence, you yeah. know, even though, even though uh, you know, they're, they're, there's a rock influence there with Daryl Hall and John Oates. They've still got, always got that soul element. And this is what, I mean, I could have picked so many of their songs. And we actually, uh, I took my big son to see them a year or so ago up in Birmingham, the first time they actually managed to get to see them live. And this is one of the songs that they always play live, and it's just a brilliant soul song. Um, as you say, it's something different, and maybe not one your listeners are going to uh, identify with straight away, but a great song, Sarah Smile. Sarah. Wiggy, your tenth and final choice on Music Was My First Love is from the late and much-missed Donna Summer with MacArthur Park, written by Jimmy Webb. Tell me about this classic, classic track. Again, uh, it's just a, a song that I've always loved from um, back in, uh, in the old mobile days. And I can, uh, you know, it's funny how music takes you back. And I can always remember playing this in my comprehensive school. Whether I can't remember whether I, I went back there to do some disc. I remember being in, in the main hall and, and I just... Uh, went, uh, been out and bought this. Put it. I was setting up, and uh, and I put this on in the main hall. There was no one in the hall but myself, and just blasted it out. But it's it's just a 
you know, it's an iconic song and the original, but I think she did such a good version of this, and uh, it's always one that, that rings true. And is another song that I've just written down all the others that I've uh, in my top ten. These are all songs that are still on my MP3 player when I go training, so uh, that'll tell you how good they are. <laughs> you're currently involved with Greatest Hits Radio, yeah, and you still do a bit for the Wave in Swansea. In fact, the first time we booked you for this show, ironically, you had to let me down because you were sitting in for uh, our Jamie Pritchard. Yeah, and, and right. I guess yeah. you're still enjoying it as much as ever. But w what about future plans? I, I I still love you know I still love being in the confined four walls of a studio and talking to people and I, I'm always going to have that love of music alongside me but you know the thing with greatest hits I was um, Steve asked me to go back to Swansea to do some cover and then they were bought out by greatest hits power media he very kindly offered me Sunday mornings I get up at half past three, I throw myself in the shower, that'll tell you how much I, I still love the job. And um, I drive to Swansea, those four hours, even though it's only once a week currently, uh, okay, I do a bit of cover, but I still love the job. I'm sure you can probably see that I've still got a passion for for radio presenting. And, you know, there's, there's often a... You've probably encountered this. There's a stigma around people's ages and, yeah. you know, do they sound okay on there? And, you know... As long as you keep the energy going, as long as you can keep the the youthfulness in your voice, and, and this is this is why some of you know some of the big players in radio are still going. This is why you know your Mike Reeds and people like that still sound okay on air. But yeah, I I still love radio uh, presentation. It, it, for me, it outstrips anything else I've ever done, and uh, I cut myself very lucky to have done something which I never thought I could do to be honest <laughs> you know I'm uh, to be uh, started in 95 and still having a little bit to play you know talking to people across South Wales playing great music is um, it's just a dream job you may not be physically in the studio because of COVID Steve but it's been great to have you on at last thank you Wiki thank you so much it's been uh, I, I just wish I'd um, wish I'd come on sooner apologies for all that That's but I, 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 you know when we when we'd be talking about you know I had to pick 10 songs I always remember one holiday in Greece and I, I tried to sit I couldn't sleep it was scorching hot no air con and I had to, I thought I'm going to sit down here through the night and write my top 50 of all time and I can always remember I because I just like so much different music I, I, I did a I ended up doing like a, a top 50 rock music top 50 soul top 50 funk top 50 reggae and and that will tell you so I've got another top 10 for you whenever you're ready mate okay <laughs> thanks Wiggy <laughs> cheers mate thanks, Andy. You've been listening to Music Was My First Love on Radio Glamorgan, where Steve Wiggy Wiggins has been choosing 10 of his favourite tracks. I'm Andrew Wolfe, and join me again soon when I'll be joined by another guest choosing 10 of their favourite tracks on another edition of Music Was My First Love. The future.